Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, my name is David, one of the ministers here, and hello to those joining us on the live stream as well. Great to have you with us. Uh, keep James open. If you've got James in front of you, keep it open. I can see it a lot open. That's excellent. Uh, we'll be staying in there this morning. And James, what a great book. Uh, many people love the book of James uh, because, like we've heard, it's, it's, very, it's very punchy, it's very practical, and there's lots of pictures throughout, as you would have noticed. And, and James sort of shows us uh, that he's keen to get to business at the very start of this letter, doesn't he? He doesn't kind of spend a lot of time with kind of introductions and greetings. He just jumps straight in to the deep end, doesn't he? He starts talking about how do we persevere through the trials of life? That's a question I think that we all have, not just Christians, but, but everyone wants to know, uh, how can I endure trials and live a good life? Uh, look, you know, we, all of us face these trials. Uh, all of us in, the, in this church face trials. I had to think about what were some of the trials that we faced this year that I've heard from you. And maybe you, some of these are you. I haven't got the names here, but think about this. Uh, we've had people facing financial trials, uh, a lack of work or that mortgage stress upon their lives. Uh, we've had people with relational trials, marriage difficulties and breakups. Friendships, loss of friendships, loneliness. We've had a lot of personal health trials uh, among our church, uh, whether that has been you personally or your husband or wife or parents or children. We've had a lot of that. And we've got people in church who, who struggle to have children as well. Uh, we've got people at church who are grieving the loss of their loved ones uh, from last year. And that's not to mention the trials that we just face every single day in so many ways as we struggle against sin and Satan and the world. And so we face many trials all the time. And if you're someone who's thinking, I don't go through many trials, you will soon. You will soon. And so that's why we all have this question, how do we, how do we face them? How do we persevere through them? How do we still live a good life? with all these trials around us? Well, it's a question our world ha has tried to answer in various ways. Uh, one example is I remember seeing the Resilience Project one time. Yeah, you might have heard of them. They're a couple of Aussie guys. Uh, and they are doing some really great work in mental health. Uh, but they're about this. They're about finding happiness through gratitude, empathy, and mindfulness, like good things. Um, that's you know gratitude, being thankful for things we have in life. Empathy putting yourself in someone else's shoes and being kind to them. Right? And then mindfulness is slowing down uh, to be present in the moment. Good things, uh, but ultimately they fall short because they fall short of God. Right? This is wisdom from below, not wisdom from above. Right? They, they ignore or rather really suppress the reality of God. And so all these things fall short. It, it's gratitude that's good, but, but who am I saying thank you to? Right? Empathy is good, but what reason do I have to be empathetic and kind? And mindfulness is good, but what, what am I filling my mind with? What is worth thinking about? Right? Fall short because it is from below and not from above. But as I've already heard, heard this morning, the Bible is God's wisdom for us from above. Uh, James, the book of James is wisdom from above. And, and if you like, the beginning of James, uh, we see something like 
God's resilience project, if you like. God's wisdom for growing resilience in our faith so that we can persevere in faith until we reach the end and the goal. And so as you think about last year, 2022, the trials that you face, how did you go with those trials? Because there's more coming in 2023. We don't know what they are yet, but they are coming. Uh, we need God's wisdom to persevere through them. So that's what we're looking at this morning. And, and James, I think, invites us to consider three things. Uh, James is not the easiest book to break up, if you've read it, uh, but we're going to break it up this way. We're going to consider trials joy. He wants us to consider our place in God's kingdom and then to finally consider the goodness of God toward us. Before we jump into that, quick intro into James, if you're very new to this. Uh, who is James? James is the half-brother of Jesus, right? Uh, brother from the same mother, different father, of course. Uh, he started out as a real sceptic to his brother Jesus being God. Fair enough. If my brother said he was God, I wouldn't believe him either, okay? I live with him. Um, and so we, we read in John that not even Jesus' brothers believed in him, but something changed. And what changed for James was when he saw his brother crucified and buried, but then three days later he saw him again, alive and well, resurrected, glorified. Uh, Paul tells us that Jesus appeared to James. And James's life was radically transformed by the resurrection of Jesus. James uh, was no longer a skeptic. He became a leader in the church in Jerusalem. And what do we read in verse 1? We read that James calls himself a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, his life was changed. Now, who is James writing to? Well, it tells us in verse 1, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Right, 12 tribes is referring to the 12 tribes of Israel. Of course, they no longer existed, but it was still a way of referring to God's people. Uh, so James is writing to God's people, probably Jewish Christians. Uh, and these are those that are scattered among the nations, as we read there. Uh, that means they're living outside of Jerusalem. And probably because uh, when Christianity took off in Jerusalem, there was a great persecution that spread Christians all out over Judea and up to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, so James is writing to those people who are probably facing some pretty hard times, being persecuted, uh, facing trials. Uh, but James actually has, a, a, I guess, a greater concern for them as he writes this letter and that is that worldliness is creeping into the church. Uh, they're beginning to live like and look like the world. And so James is writing, saying, let's not go that way. Let's not go the way of the world, but let's hear the wisdom from above. Let's hear it and do it, and let's live God's way. And so that's what James is about. Uh, he wants God's people to persevere in faith and to the end. And so it's a great book for us to be looking at. Uh, and this morning we begin in chapter 1. Uh, with this resilience project, these things to consider. And so the first thing we're going to consider, it comes from verse 2, consider trials joy. Have a look at verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Stop there. Consider trials 
joy. Are you serious? My persecution, uh, my poverty, my sickness, joy? Yes, that's what he's saying. And, and, and he tells them why, okay? So this is, this is why. Okay, so we're going to consider this, okay? So that means to consider means to, to think about it, to get your thinking caps on and to look at it in detail. And so verse 3, he tells us why. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Right, so here's the thing, right? The trial itself is not the thing that we rejoice in. Uh, it is what God is doing through the trial. It is what God is producing through the trial. God is testing faith uh, to strengthen it, right? to strengthen it for, for perseverance. It's like, you know, when you go to the gym and you use weights uh, to test your muscles, to resist them so they grow stronger and bigger. Well, God uses trials in that way. Uh, to test and to strengthen our faith for perseverance to the end. And that's why it's joy, because it's heading somewhere. It's got purpose. Have a look what the purpose is. Verse 4, he continues, verse 4. He says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Right, this is the good work God does through trials. Uh, he is growing his people mature uh, after the image of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, on the way to heaven. God will complete them. God will perfect them uh, in the new creation. That is where God is moving his people and he is using trials to bring us there. And that is a good thing. And that is why we consider trials joy because of what God produces through them. So consider that to begin with. Now, look, if this is not the way we think, if we don't have this wisdom, and it's not natural to have this kind of wisdom because it comes from above, all right? It comes to us from God. Well, James tells us what to do if we lack this wisdom. Verse 5, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So if you lack the wisdom to see trials as joy, ask God for the wisdom. And look at the picture here. Like God is not this kind of stingy Scrooge on this like pile of wisdom where he just doesn't want anyone else to have it. Right? God is generous. Right? He, he wants to give the wisdom that he has to his people. Right? So if you come with your cup, God fills the cup. You come with your bag, he'll fill the bag. If you back up the trailer asking for wisdom, God's going to fill that to overflowing. So ask God for this wisdom. He loves to give it to you. He's generous. But James is also concerned that when we ask God for wisdom, that we ask in the right way. And this next verse is a verse, I think, that scares a lot of people because we see here there's a way that we can ask God for wisdom where he won't give it to us. Have a look at verse 6. James says, When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Right, so it kind of sounds like, it's what scares us, it sounds like if I have any kind of doubt lurking in me, you know, any kind of chocolate in my pure white milk, 
right? I'm not going to get what I ask for. Right? It's, it's, it feels like it's up to me to be completely doubt-free if I'm going to receive anything from God. And, and that's not what he's saying. Okay, he's not talking about the doubts that normal Christian people have. Right? All of us will struggle with doubts from time to time. Uh, that'll always be a part of our experience. Uh, the person he's talking about is, is what he calls the double-minded person. Right? The double-minded person. This is someone who you know, kind of has two heads or, or a feet in both camps. They serve two masters. They have divided loyalties. They're double-minded. And he says a person like this is unstable. Unstable, like a wave on the ocean. A wave out in the deep ocean that just gets blown by every wind, moved by every current. The, the double-minded person is unstable. But that is the opposite of being a genuine Christian. Right? Genuine Christians, uh, for all their faults, for all their failures, uh, they have this in common. They serve the Lord Jesus Christ single-mindedly. He is their Lord. They love him. Right? Their, their heart is not divided. Their heart is fixed upon him as their anchor, as their rock. He is the one that holds them firm. And so if you're someone who, who lacks wisdom, but you love Jesus, ask him for wisdom. And, and know that his response is, is yes. I want to give that to you. I want to give you wisdom. And then when you have that wisdom, you'll be able to consider trials joy because of what God works through them. All right, so consider trials joy. The second thing is to Consider your place in God's kingdom. Now, as you're reading through James, you'll notice he often takes a turn and we're sort of wondering what he's doing. Uh, it's like my wife probably thinks when I'm driving and I, I turn this way. And she's like, why are we going this way? Kind of thing. Uh, you know, I want my wife to give me the credit that I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. Just, just trust me. And I think we should do the same for James. Uh, we should consider when he takes a turn, we don't know what he's doing. We should think James knows what he's doing. And we should think about why he's done it. And so uh, the turn that James takes here is to talk about the rich and the poor. The rich and the poor. What's that got to do with the trials? Well, I think there's probably lots of connections, but I think what he's doing is he's leading them to think beyond their present earthly trials to consider their privileged place in God's kingdom and what that means for their life now and forever. And so have a look, tell me if that's what you think as we go through. So he starts in verse 9. So he says, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. So straight away there you've got humble circumstances in life. You know, they are poor, they are persecuted, uh, but they actually have a high position, and that is the high position of their place in God's kingdom, the reality of that. Right, so they might be kind of slaves on earth, but in reality they are princes in heaven. And so it kind of flips it upside down, right? It's actually the rich in this life who look like they have it all actually have nothing if they don't have Jesus. So have a look at verse 10. He says, But the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. And here's one of those really vivid pictures that James loves to give us. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. 
In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Right, so the rich in this world are pictured like this wildflower in the desert. Okay, it's, it's beautiful in the morning when it sprouts up. And it's got the dew on it. But then the sun comes up, the Middle Eastern sun in the desert, much like the Penrith sun in the afternoon. Uh, it, it scorches. The flower cannot stand the heat, so it withers and its beauty is gone. Right? And, and that is what the riches of this world are like. And all who trust in them will be like that as well. They will fade away. Now, now contrast that brevity of life, that weakness of life, with, with those who trust in Jesus. Verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Right? Nothing motivates perseverance like glorious hope. Right? Those who have a place in God's kingdom through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what we look forward to. Pictured like finishing a race with Jesus at the finish line and he gives the crown of life to all those who persevere through faith in him. The crown of life is eternal life with him forever. Right, so if you want to be someone who is able to persevere through trials with faith, consider your place in God's kingdom and consider the king of that kingdom who will welcome you when the run, the race is finished. Consider that. And the third and final thing to consider for our, our growing resilience in trials is to consider the goodness of God toward us. Right, so, so far, James has kind of been talking about those external trials that we face, those things that come from the outside upon us. But now he moves to the internal trials that we all face, uh, our temptation and our sin. Right, temptation is, you know, we, we experience things like we're tempted to doubt God, we're tempted to lust, tempted to envy or covet or, or be greedy, all kinds of things. Right, these things damage us, they damage our faith, uh, they threaten our perseverance, they make us stumble in many ways. Right, how do we resist these? Right, and run with perseverance the race marked out before us, with obedience. How do we do that? Well, James wants to, to turn our attention to God and to consider the goodness of God toward us. Verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So straight away we're told, God is good. God does not tempt us to do evil. God, that's not God's desire for us. God desires good for us, for his people. Uh, God wants us to be free from sin and to live in joyful obedience to him with perseverance. That's what God wants. He does not tempt us to sin. Right, so where does temptation come from? Well, it comes from us. It comes from within, uh, from our own evil desires. Have a look at verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. 
And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Another one of those really vivid pictures from James, uh, talking about birth. Right? But, but birth is normally about life. But here we see it's about death. So he pictures when we, when we have sinful desires and we give in to them, uh, it gives birth to sin. But that's not the end of it, because sin, sin grows up. And then sin gives birth to death. Right? You know, sinning might feel like a, just a really small thing. It's just, it's just one look. It's just one little bit of money. It's just this. We've got to see where it leads. Uh, it grows and it gives birth to death. Right? And, and God is not the one to blame when we are tempted and sin. That is, that is our own. Our own failures. Rather, God is good. Uh, God is perfect. And God desires good and perfect things for us as well. Have a look at verse 16. It says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Right? James wants us to look at God and to know God is good. Right? He, and he loves to give us good. God is good all the time like this. He doesn't change. He's not like a shifting shadow. Okay, you think of the sundial. Have you ever seen a sundial? The, the shadow just moves around with the sun. It's always changing, always in a different location. God is not like that. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is so reliable. Uh, and, and God gives us every good thing that we enjoy. Every good thing. And God has given us the best thing, the greatest thing that we could ever have, that he could ever give to us. He has given it to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. James can't help himself but talk about that in verse 18. He says that he, God, chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Right? The greatest gift that God gives to us is new birth through the word of truth or the gospel. Right, so that announcement that Jesus is the risen king of the universe, uh, that all who believe in him uh, can come into his kingdom now and forever, uh, be, be born again, have a new life, an eternal life. Right, that is the greatest thing that God has given to us. We are now like a first fruits of his new creation, of, of the work that he is doing in our world. Uh, we are the first of that. And this is a wonderful, comforting truth. The God who does not change is not going to change his mind about what he has done for you. He's given you this gift. He's not going to take back the gift from you. If he has given you new birth, then you are born again and you will come into his kingdom. Right? How, good it, how good is it to know our God? How good is it to know the goodness of God toward us? Would you consider his goodness toward us. Would you consider all these things? Uh, would, would you consider trials joy? Would you consider your place in God's kingdom through the Lord Jesus Christ, the privilege of that? Uh, would you consider how good our God is and how good he is toward us every day, all the time? And I wonder, would you consider these things just, just long enough so they don't kind of come in one ear and out the other? 
but would you give them time to sink down into your heart, right? to take root in your heart, to take such deep roots that, that they bear fruit in your life. They bear fruits of joy. They bear fruits of perseverance in faith. Would you consider them long enough that they might do that good work in us? And would you consider this with me just now, that the most important and valuable thing that you possess, uh, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you are united with him by faith. Uh, you belong to him. He belongs to you. That is the greatest thing that you possess. It is a gift from God. It is a tre treasure worth more than gold. Right, to have that sure place in God's kingdom, to have that hope, to know that in all things God works for your good through all the trials of your life, every single one, all the time. Right, that, that is the greatest thing that you possess. Right, but it's wisdom from above. It's wisdom from above uh, to know this uh, and to have this resilience in our faith, in perseverance. Right, if, if you're someone who lacks this wisdom, we know what to do. Ask God. Right, God is our good father, loves to give good gifts to his children when they ask. And so ask God for this wisdom, to see things this way. I just want to finish with a, with a real-life example of someone who has, who has considered these things in their life and who is living with the wisdom of God. And you can see the way it's impacted his life. Uh, many of you would have heard of Tim Keller. People heard of Tim Keller. He's, he's a pastor in America. Uh, he's written a lot of books. Uh, he's in his 70s now. But back in 2020, uh, he was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Now, if you know anything about cancer, which I don't really, but stage 4 means that you haven't got long to live, really. If you live a year, you've done well. And so he was diagnosed with that. Uh, but he responded well to the chemo, and he's still with us today. And I was listening to a podcast this week uh, that he did as he was talking about reflecting upon, I guess, dealing with, with cancer diagnosis and treatment and that kind of stuff over the past three years. And he said this. He said that he and his wife have never asked God, why did you let this happen? That, that's never really come across their minds because they know God, they know he's good, they know he's working good. That, you know, there's, there's so many things God is doing that maybe they don't know about. Uh, so they haven't really asked that question. But he said he's, it's been enormously helpful for them spiritually. Right? He said they've enjoyed a deeper communion with God. Their experience of God has grown in their relationship with him. Uh, it's caused them to turn from sin and idolatry. Like things they've been tolerating for years in their life and just putting off. It's caused them to put them to death and to live for God. And he can see how God has used this trial to strengthen their faith. And finally, this is probably the best thing. Uh, he shared two prayers that he's been praying, him and his wife been praying. The first one is they pray, please heal the cancer. That's a good prayer. God can do that. But the second prayer, and more importantly, they've been praying is, don't let us ever go back to the way we were spiritually before this trial. Right? Don't let, and here's a quote, don't let us lose any of the things you have given us during this time. 
Right? This is someone living with the wisdom from above. Right? This is someone who has considered the things that James talks about here, who's considered trials joy, uh, who considers their place in God's kingdom through Jesus, uh, who considers the power and the goodness of God who is for them and is working for their good. Uh, let us pray that we will be those people as well so that we might persevere through trials, through faith in Jesus. Let's pray for that right now and ask God to give us that wisdom. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word, for your wisdom from above that, that we could never know unless you spoke to us. And so, Lord, we are thankful. Uh, Lord, we are thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, his death and resurrection and new life through him. Father, we are thankful for your spirit and the new birth uh, that gives us new life and grows us like Christ on the way to glory. Father, we pray that you would give us wisdom, uh, that you would give us wisdom uh, to see things the way that you see them, uh, to consider trials joy, uh, to know our place in your kingdom through Jesus, and Lord, really to know and reflect and trust your goodness toward us. Father, I pray if we lack this wisdom that you would give it to us, Lord, that you would make us those single-mindedly devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray you would do all this work in us for our good and for your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.